From King 5 News in Seattle, I'm Ryan Takeo. This is Priced Out, Episode 3, Keeping Sane. A few Friday nights ago, you went out to Numos. Yes. <laughs> Amanda Grace did the TV reporting for this series. I went out to see Eldridge Gravy and the Court Supreme perform because we're profiling Joe and Monica, who are in the band. Y'all feel funky? They're incredible. They are this 10-piece funk ensemble, and they put on a show. They wear feather boas and all kinds of sequin costumes <laughs> and platform shoes, and and they've got this cult following. It appears their performances and their gigging that that offers some sort of distraction, like some sort of sanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, for them, it's definitely it's sanity. From King 5 News, this is Priced Out. Personal stories of those struggling to stay put in our hot housing market. I'm Ryan Takeo. Surviving in Seattle is, it's just day by day. In the past five years, the average cost of living index has gone up 19% across the country. But in Seattle, it's almost triple that, up 55%. I can't afford to stay. In five years, home values have gone up 88%, rent has climbed 42%, and the median property tax bill in Seattle has gone up 56%. Those are the numbers. We'll tell you the stories. Sometimes we'll go to the food bank if we if we need to. And it still may become untenable, you know, to live here because of the cost of living and continually going up and my wage staying at a pretty steady yeah. plateau. The personal tales of those stuck in the middle, those feeling priced out. It concerns me for the future if I stay here. First, we'll release three episodes and then we could tell your story. Email us, out at king5.com. And we might tell your story of you being priced out. Uh, they've always been performers, they say. They, you know, the, the way they describe it, uh, Joe said that he, he never really had an interest in school. He just wanted to be on stage. My name's Joe Simpson. I'm a child care worker and a working artist in Seattle. I'm Monica Baroga. I'm a stay-at-home mom and singer and performer in Seattle, Washington. They're always doing something in the arts, and I think that's what keeps them alive. The performing is kind of our lifeblood. And it's so, like, not celebrated, and that's, like, kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. Where it's, like, you you almost don't want... Too, it's like fight too much pub, publicity. You know, they're like, you're not going to talk about it, but <laughs> come with rule, me. Yeah, the first rule, yeah. You'll drill. love it, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> you know, like. It looks like you can't have a dance party. What's pretty remarkable is that they've they've, for being underground, like for being kind of like a local band, they're trying to keep this persona of not being too famous mm-hmm. they've they've also done some pretty big shows when it comes to like bumbershoot mm-hmm. 
and and getting around do they make much money doing these these music gigs they do I, I think they do pretty well but almost all the money they make from the music goes directly back into the band uh, so and they, they got to split it tw- 10 ways t- they got to split it 10 ways uh, so they contribute to their rehearsal space and uh, they spend it on a lot of their travel um, you know they had a chance to go up to Alaska last summer to perform up there so that was on their dime <laughs> they had to drive all the way up there with their equipment um, they have a school bus is their tour bus huh. and you know the cost of maintaining that and you know all their instruments uh, so really the money that they earn from their merchandise their record sales their you know ticket sales really it just goes back to the band and, and anything extra is sort of bonus bonus So I don't want to be a, a downer, okay? <laughs> but do they hear from people who might say, like, you're in a tough financial spot. What are you doing spending all this time doing your your music stuff? You could be making more money and maybe not living so close to the edge. Do they hear that from friends or do they just kind of, you know, I don't know. It's just so much a part of them that that doesn't even come up. They live very much in a world of of fellow performers and artists, and it's just who they are and what they do. The way they see Seattle is that they and other artists and other musicians, this is what makes Seattle cool. And this is what makes Seattle quirky and kitschy and unique. And... They are breathing soul and life into this city. And the fewer people like them in this city, the more bland this city becomes. And they really feel a duty to stay here. And they say the more artists and performers and musicians leave for Southern California, LA, you know, for either a big, bigger music scene or maybe a smaller music scene to try to make their mark there or for more affordable living. That sort of dilutes the culture in the city and the soul of this city. They very much feel like they have a duty to, to uphold that here. Lulu, the woman you've been chronicling in the Central District. My name is Luz Vimenda Uzuri Carpenter, and I'm a teacher at Seattle Girls School for middle school girls, and I'm a radio producer and host at Hollow Earth Radio for Lulu Nation and the crew with Mr. B. She does, is it like community radio sort of thing? It is low-power FM radio. It's okay. Hollow Earth Radio, and by low-power FM, they broadcast just to the Central District. K-H-U-H-L-P 104.9 FM in Seattle. But their show goes out on a podcast as well. Okay. So that's why they have listeners in London and Brooklyn. (laughs) You know, all sorts of people will listen to the show, but really it's aimed for the Central District audience. 
she also said something to the effect of like this keeps me alive i mean she really mm-hmm. finds that as like a therapeutic almost way like a connection um, and to invite people that i felt i could honor and say like what are you doing so other people know the amazing work that you're doing um and it is a manifestation of love and it's kept me alive she believes in the power of storytelling and telling the stories of people who are marginalized in Seattle, people whose stories are not being told. And she feels that that's her life's work and that's what she was put here to do. She says something, she says a lot of poignant things, but Mm -hmm. but one thing that really struck me was uh, you ask her if she's trying to hold on to the Central District. Not anymore. I think I'm not holding on to the Central District. I'm holding on to people. No, she says she's trying to hold on to people. Do you Mm -hmm. think the radio show is a way of her trying to make that connection, keep that connection to the, the culture and to what the community has been? Absolutely. She recognizes that... The forces of change are so much bigger than one person, really so much bigger than than thousands of people, than this whole city. The economics at play here that have created this kind of extreme change in this city are really out of our control. And she, she recognizes that. But she says, if I can't change the people in front of me, then... What can I do? I'm just completely powerless. So she feels that the radio is her opportunity to at least change the people in front of her. I'm, I'm a fighter. I'll fight till the end. And fighting is really about, you know, loving the people that you love to the end and telling the world that they mattered. You know, that's what my fight looks like. <laughs> loving really, really hard. Uh, you're going to make me cry. Can't ask, answer any more questions. <laughs> so let's talk about Amy. Quick recap. She's a tech worker, um, but a contractor. Mm-hmm. She owns her house and is, is still struggling. But mm-hmm. on the side, she does uh, art. What kind of art does she do? And when does she find time to do that? So she's a screen printer and she does letterpress art uh, at the School of Visual Concepts in Seattle. Technology that's 100 years old. Is, is clinging to life here in Amazonia, two blocks away from the spheres. Her art celebrates old Seattle or vanishing Seattle. She captures landmarks of Seattle that she sees as vanishing. So a lot of these old places that have been demolished or knocked down. So the Guild 45 Theater in Wallingford that has recently closed down and is set for development, Spud Fish and Chips at Green Lake, which is also set to be demolished and turned into condos and mixed-use development. I can think of how many times that we we got fish and chips, or fries for me, um, and went and sat and watched people play soccer or just, you know, sat and had a picnic. And that's part of my grandma. You know, she's no longer with us. So those memories are connected. Uh, Leilani Lane's bowling alley, which has been turned into the Leilani condos. The bowling alley. This place, I, I had my first kiss at the bowling alley, <laughs> you know? With her art, she's trying to capture memories. And she says if, if she can capture her memories with art, 
and it ignites someone else's memories and she's done that with a piece of art, then she's sort of succeeded. In the story, you point out how interesting it is that Amy is capturing the past and trying to like really keep it alive while she is on the verge of leaving the city. She is trying to <laughs> to tell that story right. in. Right. I mean, I mean, there's irony there that she's trying to preserve Seattle and the way it was and the old Seattle while she's feeling priced out of Seattle. And she sees that irony all the time. Um, but she says that even if she were to leave Seattle, it doesn't mean that her work would stop. She can do her art anywhere in the country. So she could still capture these landmarks and these pieces of old Seattle uh, from somewhere else. Now it comes to kind of the the end of our three episodes, so I'll just ask you what's next. So for Amy, um, it seems like the writing's on the wall. For Amy, she's got a big decision to make. And she's very much still on the fence. Um, Again, she has strong family ties here. Her mother's here. She says she would break her mother's heart if she ever left. Uh, But I think her heart may be somewhere else. How does your story end? Hmm. That's a good one. I think if I'm going to be realistic about it, I think it ends with me going elsewhere. For Lulu, she's committed to staying in Seattle. She's committed to the Central District. Uh, She is able to stay in the Central District thanks to her employer. She rents from her employer. So as long as she's able to continue that arrangement, she's able to stay in her community. But at the same time, she sees her community leaving. But if it continues to change, I'm like, I will continue to build community. I'll continue to say that the Central District has been an African-American historical point that has created jazz that has changed the whole universe the whole world Uh, for joe and monica they say that they're going to try to stay in seattle as long as they possibly can because they feel like this city needs them and their fans need them and they're just going to continue to rock out and to rock the city and and keep it as funky as they possibly can but ultimately we are never not a good time That's the slogan, for sure, yeah. I walked into the series thinking that people's biggest problems were going to be financial. The three people I spoke to independently all had concerns about the city and how this city was changing. They were concerned that we were losing the character and the values. That the architecture, the arts, even the kindness that made Seattle great, that that was slipping away, that, you know, by losing an old bowling alley, that we were losing a gathering place for seniors, and that by losing 
you know, a concert venue, that we were losing a place where, where people can, can hang out and hear live music. And that by losing a, a locally owned grocery store, that we were losing a place that had specialty items that catered to a, a certain community. There's a real sense of, of fear and concern that this city is changing at its core. Hi, everyone. Quick note on how you could get involved in the podcast. Because on TV, Amanda is taking these stories character by character. But we're going to continue the reporting process well after this airs on TV. You notice we're first releasing three episodes and then we're crowdsourcing other episodes, telling your story. Email out at king5.com. That's P-R-I-C-E-D-O-U-T at king5.com. I'm Ryan Takeo.